Hello everyone, Carter here bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass presented by Nolan Consulting Group, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop their teams, and build sustainable growth so that business operations don't run solely through them. We want to get business owners out of the hourglass. Today's episode features NCG managing partner Brian Nolan on the role of the CEO. Hosted by Molly Nolan, the two have a lively discussion on what to expect out of yourself as a CEO. Many Summit members join us eager to get themselves out of the hourglass and do exactly that. But what happens once the business owner feels free from the work that have been keeping them in the hourglass? As you listen, consider your vision for your future and the future of your company. And what work is most appropriate for someone who has gotten themselves out of the hourglass? Thanks for listening. And as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show. Carter, thank you for that introduction. And Brian, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be here. And I'm not Colin. Uh, Colin and Molly have a, a history of, of podcasts together. So uh, Colin has tapped me in. So I hope to give this one a good go. I'm excited. Um, Brian, our topic today is actually quite fitting, both to who you are as our guest, uh, but also the name of our podcast channel, that being Out of the Hourglass. So our primary mission at Nolan Consulting Group is to help entrepreneurs crystallize and achieve their vision, to implement proven systems, know their numbers, and build a high-performing team. Now, as part of the work that we do, Brian, we spend a lot of time focusing on creating job descriptions for the teams, but maybe not quite focused enough on what your role as the CEO or as the owner of the business will be once you've actually gotten you know, away from being in the hourglass because you've given away the roles of the company. So this podcast is going to explore the role of the CEO. Yes. You know, uh, like anything, it's hard to let something go unless you have something new. And so what we're finding happening is a lot of leaders um, are doing a great job getting out of the hourglass, right? Delegating, building systems, getting their people to do that. And then something weird happens. They feel empty, because uh, their entire life, uh, they've defined themselves by the work of the work, which mm-hmm. is the functions that they do. Uh, you know, the ultimate out of the hourglass is when you're an owner, right? The ultimate, like you're an owner and you have a management team and they're doing their stuff. Um, the level below that, though, is when you're an owner and a CEO. The level below that is when you're a CEO and you have other functions. The reality is a lot of people listening to this podcast, including myself, have other functions besides being a CEO. But what we want to do here is create the vivid role for what you should be doing as a CEO, a chief executive officer of your business. So what does that look like? And, you know, what we've we've done with a lot of roles uh, and help and as we've helped a lot of different companies is establish job description, role descriptions, and now ultimately position visions. Uh, and so I'd like to jump into a quick, that quick differential there between what is a position vision versus just a, do- a job description, because our, our next step is to review what is the position vision for a CEO. So Brian, what, what are the components of a position vision? Yeah, this will make Andrew proud. Uh, he, he's worked actually one-on-one with Tom Foster, who wrote Hiring Talent, and really introduced this concept to us. A job description is, is a series of tasks. 
here's what we'd like you to do. Um, this is what you're going to do. This, 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 and this. A position vision uh, is when you're able to um, succinctly summarize your vision of how someone behaving so awesomely in this job is doing. What are they doing? Uh, what, what behaviors are they practicing? What, what key results areas uh, are they responsible for? What, what skills they need? What are the reporting and accountabilities? So do you know how you have an employee and they're like, they're just not the right fit. Um, they're doing the task, doing this task, but there's something missing. Um, and it's because you as a leader, you have a vision of how someone is behaving effectively in a role and they're just not doing it. So now let's look at you, CEO, and let's say, what does it mean for you to behave uh, the very best version of a CEO as you can? So um, there's, a, there's a whole outline uh, for position visions that we have follow, and today is about the CEO. I mean, if anything, it, it establishes so much clarity. You know, a job description, like you said, the tasks, this, this, and this need to get done. But the, the role that someone has in a company is so much bigger than just the, the tasks at hand. Uh, there's always these moving parts and these variables and them needing to adapt and step up or manage up at times. Uh, so I think the position vision really clarifies what exactly we're looking for, what, what the manager is really hoping this, this person is going to be able to do. Yeah, this is missing in, in so many discussions that people have with their employees. Um, I, I think I first used it with an employee maybe six years ago um, when I said, I'll just use a name, Susan. Susan, you're not living the vision of what I, what I see this role. Here's, here's what I see. I see this role proactive. I see this role looking ahead. And so I, I listed all these things because she was like, well, I'm doing this tasks. I'm doing this mm -hmm. task. Um, and it, it was clear to her then that she couldn't live the vision. Uh, and so fortunately she opted out and found another job in two months before I had which to is let her okay. go. Which, which is okay. Which is great. It's because you, if you hadn't had that conversation and I hadn't actually been able to explain to her what it was that you needed that role to be, she, she would have kept going along in her day-to-day, -day, failing, not meeting your expectations, but not knowing she was failing. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, as you listen to this, uh, this talk um, today, if you're a CEO, um, I want you to evaluate how you're doing in this role. And remember, ultimately, you play this role. You may play others, uh, but ultimately, you want to play maybe only this role. Um, so, so let's do it, Ma. Let's get into it. So what does the position look like? So I think we're starting from kind of the summary of the role, the scope of decision-making. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was, I've been working on, on this with uh, uh, Jason Parker. He, he and I have been working on his role as a CEO. And, and Jason gave me four very key summary points um, number one, defining and interpreting the meaningful outside relationships. Number two, determining what business we are in and what business we are not in. That is so important. Yes. Here's a big one. Balancing uh, significant profit in the present with investment in the future. 
That's key. Um, and fourth, um, and maybe the most important, shaping the values and standards of the organization. These get into like the four key areas, but really they, um, you lead the other executives in your business. Um, you uh, make sure that the strategic plan cascades down to the organization. You make sure there's a vision and that you lead the team towards that vision and communicate that often. Um, you're the only one looking out um, a ways out. You're looking way out. And a lot of the people are looking um, for this month. I, I'm reading a, a book uh, called How to Lead. And Jeff Bezos, uh, the Amazon CEO, is interviewed. And he said, um, you know, he gets, uh, you know, handshaking, great job this quarter, awesome. And he's like, that's not me. That's the people below me. My executive team, we're working on stuff three years out. We're not working on things this month. So I need to really pass that down to my team. And what will be interesting is he stepping down as the CEO, I think in the next year or so. I just so. read that. And so he's going to be practicing this same kind of activity of defining the, the role of the CEO that's not him. So how is he replacing himself? What does he foresee this role being with him not in it? Maybe Jeff should be listening to this podcast, huh, Ma? You know, maybe. Let's send it to him. You know, he's the <laughs> richest man in the world. You know, you can't, can't not try, right? Can't not try. <laughs> right. Outside of, you know, those, those four key elements that you just listed, um, what are the strengths, behaviors, habits that this individual needs to, needs to hold, needs to have in order to be able to actually communicate and operate these elements? You know, you know, visioning is a skill. We always say that CEOs uh, need a vision. They need to write down a three-year vision, right? And they need to share that vision 10 times more than they think they need to. Um, but visioning, how do we vision? Uh, we should read some books on this. Um, what, what got me uh, to start the term summit for our program was I read this book called Beyond the Summit. And it was all about visioning uh, a, a climb to the summit. And it related a, a climb of this mountain to the different steps in business. Um, visioning, uh, my, one of my first CEOs uh, taught me about this. He said, Brian, he goes, I, I want to go up in an air balloon up really high and I'm going to travel over the mountainside and I'm going to. I'm going to go over, I'm going to look down on our business in three years. And this is what I see. Um, the point is, visioning is a skill and you need to practice that skill. You can learn this skill, read some books on it. Strategic thinking. Um, I am uh, now accumulating a bunch of data on how to get your team to think strategically, you know, not just tactically. But what are the things? And one of the things to do is like, imagine that uh, all of the vehicles are now self-driven. What, what is changing in the world? So you start with an exercise to get your team thinking creatively. Um, you also, you need to read and learn skills on emotional intelligence. Oh my goodness, emotional intelligence is huge. Vulnerability, major. Uh, coaching style. Uh, there's a great book called The uh, Coaching Habit. Get good at that. 
like read the coaching habit and um, know the questions you should ask. Uh, giving feedback, praise, and redirection, vital to becoming a good CEO. Time management, vital. Um, make sure you're spending time um, on outside the organization stuff and what you bring in. This is one of the four points that I mentioned. You know, your job is to really survey a lot of what's going on out there by way of relationships, by way of industry trends, and uh, make sure your company's aware of those items. Yeah. So. And then, you know, outside of, outside of, sorry, the behaviors and the habits and the skills, uh, another, you know, component of all position visions is the KRAs, the key result areas. Those are the areas that are determining excess so, or success. So let's, let's review them. And I know the first one we have listed here is the vision, core, purpose, and values. How do you measure success um, with those almost intangible topics? Yeah, you know, there, there's a organizational health assessment that, that you could take. Uh, I've done this with several uh, companies this year uh, where you understand um, uh, how your employees feel about uh, the values and, and whether they know about this vision. Uh, the uh, completion of rocks, you know, we talk about big rocks all, all the time. Rocks, rocks have a start and an end, and the world is different when the rock is complete. A big rock is something that you want to complete to help you get towards your vision, right? You have this vision, and then you have a gap between where you are now and, and your vision. That's often outlined in your SWOT analysis, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So the rocks solve that. Uh, a lot of companies aren't defining rocks well enough. They're not defining winning. What does a rock look like done? So uh, you are a good CEO if you can make sure you delegate the rock ownership and that the owners can articulate this rock is done when, and then you hold people accountable to that. I feel like I can't um, skip to the next KRA without mentioning your focus on rocks, Brian. You actually have rocks that you look at. Um, someone may have painted them. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, uh, but it, that's how important it is to you that you that you see uh, what the rocks are for 2021 for Nolan Consulting Group, and they are in front of you all the time. You can I'm, pick them up. You hold them. I'm obsessed with rocks. You are. I obsessed. literally, I'm obsessed with rocks. Um, I've last Saturday, you know, what do you do on a snowy Saturday night in COVID times? Uh, you paint rocks. I, do, you, I actually do, do you, Brian? I do. Trust me. That's a good, that and a couple of glasses of wine. And I am really rocking. Uh, I could set a picture if you'd like. I, I did. So, so we have six rocks and um, mm -hmm. I, I've in fact uh, painted each rock and I even got some stencils. So I stenciled the name of the rock and they are here. And Monday morning, I was so stoked that I could show the rocks to my team in the huddle. I think there were some giggles and laughs and has he really gone off his rocker? Um, <laughs> at the same time, I think they were like, maybe my CEO is really focused and I like this. And, and the truth is, I'm, I don't think I've been as, as focused and excited about our business since I started it. I've, I've really worked harder this year on, on vision clarification and then what are the rocks we need to put in place that will move us towards that. And now I am passionately cascading that down and it feels really, really good. I, I feel like for the first time I'm leading again. 
Um, well, I was going to say, you know, all jokes aside about the painting of the rocks, what it really shows is that you kind of have, have found, I'm not saying that you lost it, but you've refound your passion for the vision of the company. And I think sometimes, I mean, I'm not an owner of a business, but from just witnessing, I can see um, CEOs and owners hold so much stress and weight on their shoulders and they can often be beaten down by the day-to-day problems, the weekly problems that hit them. Like we've done another podcast with Kevin Nolan, Business is Messy. And so you get pounded and pounded and pounded. And so to have something in front of you that brings you back to the why, that brings you back to what you're trying to accomplish, you, you kind of, you, ha- you have to have that, that, I mean, grab a rock and hold on to it. Like that tangible thing that reminds you as to what you're doing. Uh, well done. Uh, that's great. I, 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 I was going to say one of the things that I missed in the, in, in the skills and behaviors is that, um, you've got to be very good at stress management. Um, and you have to realize that you can handle anything and if it doesn't take you off the course of your vision, that's okay. This is, yep. And, you know, expect problems. We say business is messy. So you, you have to get good at um, being resilient, really. Um, and you have to show your organization and your employees that you have strength, that you can, you, you can overcome it. And the rocks, um, are, are the main thing that will uh, get you to your vision. I think we can both attest to, you know, the, the clients that we work with, uh, the business owners in the summit group um, and beyond are very resilient people. I mean, totally. you, we've, you've seen them, you know, go through some very hard things and have some major successes. Um, and I mean, you've, you've seen, you've, you've ridden that wave with them. So we, we know business is messy, but there's resilience behind it. You know, right outside of those, a couple KRAs you mentioned, is there one or two other ones that we think it's worth um, mentioning? Let's here? Just talk about culture for a minute, right? Sure. So um, it, it, it's, it's similar to uh, this, this uh, first one because the values create culture. Um, but, you know, you know you're doing good in culture, not just if, if the best places to work survey scores you well, which is certainly one indicator. I also think uh, it's if you're hiring and firing to your culture and people who know me know one of my favorite pictures to show is a matrix. I'd say a performance values matrix. It has four quadrants uh, that define uh, where someone is, an employee that is in living the values and where they are and how well they perform. And when you're plotting people on that matrix and you're, you're letting people go because they don't follow the uh, culture, then you're really leading because culture is everything in terms of getting things done. If the culture's not right, you just won't get things done. The other one I would really talk about, and we're going to do a panel next week on this, is the management team. You're the leader of the band. You lead the band. You're not solo. This is not a solo sport. This is a team sport. And when I talk about a management team, I'm not talking about a team of managers. I'm talking about an entity that is a management team. A management team actually has a job description of what they do. They, and they're, they're more interested in the mission and purpose of the business than their own reputation. So they will say anything to protect the mission of the business um, and this is the hardest thing for us, us leaders. We have to be open. Um, we have to not o- over-influence 
in a consultative style. We make decisions, but we never make them outside of the context of listening to our great people on the management team. Um, so that one I'm very passionate about. Um, mm -hmm. having, having been on teams in the uh, corporate world, I've been on good teams and I've been on bad teams. And I know when you have a good management team, um, you can accomplish your goals to be sure and nothing will, will stop you. When you have a bad one, uh, people playing politics against each other, um, you will never hit your goals. Um, obviously financial goals are key, uh, making sure you never run out of cash. You, you take risks as a CEO, uh, never take risks um, unless you have enough reserves. My dad used to always say to me, um, can you cover it if it fails? Can, can you mm -hmm. cover the risk? Um, so said sort of down to earth here, do you have a couple months reserves in the bank and uh, can you afford to lose? And if you can, then go ahead and take that, that risk. I, I tend to be a conservative leader in terms of risk. Um, and uh, I'm actually trying to become a little less conservative as a matter of fact, so I can take some risk because you can't grow without risks. Um, so those are, those are some of the key things. I think community involvement is huge. Uh, you know, Kevin Nolan in, in Nolan Painting is, they are such great community citizens. Um, we believe that uh, givers get, um, we believe that um, do good and just things come back to you. Um, so what, what's your brand like in, out there? And uh, do you have employees that are um, engaged in, in giving back? Um, we have to mention safety. Uh, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be doing Paul Cook justice if I didn't mention safety. He really, he always encourages me to press that safety is the CEO's responsibility to protect the workers free from injury. And obviously a safe company is a professional company as well. And almost relates back to culture. Do you, do you have a safety culture? Because if you're not living, talking, breathing, putting an emphasis on it daily, it's one of the first things that's going to fall through the cracks. It does. I mean, yeah. we, I was just in one of our mastermind groups last week and one of the companies we were doing the spotlight on was talking about the need to make safety a forefront again. They do it here and there, but it's just not a culture in the moment. And so, you know, outside of establishing the program, you can't just create a program. There has to be more to it. There needs to be someone in charge, someone who's actually responsible for it. But it goes back to just the culture aspect of, is it something that you live and breathe all the time? Uh, you know, culture it comes about by, by living the values, right? It's a set of behaviors that live the values. So culture needs to be, I'm sorry, safety needs to be talked about every week, um, whether it's a picture it safe contest where people are sending in pictures, mm -hmm. huddles, audits, um, safety practices aren't important until they are. And then it's like all of a sudden your world changes one day when someone falls off a ladder um, or worse. I, I mean, I, I, I sit in a vantage point where I get to see over a hundred businesses and I've seen a lot of bad things, a lot of bad accidents. And so, as you know, we have a safety certification program, which we 
as I sit here talking about it and need to breathe some more life into, mm-hmm. you know, I want to me- mention something else. I want to talk about um, a little pet peeve that I have. It- it's um, organizational structure and um, the need for clarity uh, over um, who reports into who, because I think one of the main responsibilities you have as a CEO is make sure that your people are keeping up with your vision. I've seen a lot of companies grow really fast and then they grow faster than their people. Um, So we've gotten really big on development plans for people, IDPs, individual development plans. We're, We're like on a rampage getting these done for companies because we think this is one of the keys to employees keeping up. And you need to have an organizational structure where people know who they report to, who's developing them, who's, who cares about them. I see a lot of uh, companies where it's not clear, well, I do work for them and I do work for them. So I guess I report to them both. And the answer is no, you, you have one supervisor. And um, now a, a supervisor can have five or six direct reports. Um, once you get more, once you get past six, then then a supervisor can't effectively manage and lead and develop all those people. So as, as a CEO, make sure the blueprint of your organization is so clear that people know who they are. My first job at Aetna, I'm going way back uh, to 88, actually. <laughs> um, I walked into a building of 7,000 people. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> uh, and um, the first thing I wanted to do was I was like, where am I in this 7,000? Uh, unfortunately, I, I found out at the time I was probably number 6,300. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, by the time I left Aetna, I had made strides. And you then, made then, your way up. Then the next company that I, I went to, I was at for eight years. And um, I grew in that company and I, I always knew where I was on the organizational chart. And I'm guessing that your, your great people are, are trying to figure that out also. I mean, you know, from the, the flip side of it as having been an employee for um, a company in the past where you, you didn't have an organizational structure, uh, it was stressful and it was stressful to everybody. Uh, because you didn't know where, kind of where you stood. Gosh, who do you even ask a day off for? Right. Like it goes down to the simplest of things. Um, but if you, so understanding that your employees need that, your employees need clarity as to where do they stand? Who do they belong to? Who's reporting to them? Because it, it also gives them confidence to start making decisions, to start owning owning the role if they know what kind of where their place is. That's exactly right. Um, is who gets me, right? Who gets me, who knows me, who knows my strengths, who knows my weaknesses and is helping mm-hmm. me focus on my strength. So your job as a CEO is to cascade leadership down. This is vital. So you set the vision, you set the rocks and you cascade down and you push down decision-making. Um, you develop leaderships at all all levels, um, a, a CEO that is starting a, an aspiring leaders program uh, is one that gets me excited. Like that is, let's get let's get people thinking leader. That makes a CEO job so easy. 
And it's making the CEO a leader and it's a leader that people want to work for because they're thinking um, of something other than themselves in the yes. moment. They're, yes. they're thinking of creating something bigger than just, than just them. It's, you know, kind of like, like, like we, you know, we've mentioned our webinar next week. We're, it's going into the we versus the I. So if you're focusing on creating an organization of aspiring leaders and you're developing people and you're, you're cascading the vision and the values, and you're making safety real, you're, you're focusing on others and the, the I has been removed. You know, it's really, it's really hard because as a CEO becomes a leader, they can, they can begin to get too big for their bridges. You know, um, what is it that Patrick Lencioni says? Uh, hungry, humble, and smart. You know, I want hungry people, humble people, and smart. And the CEO um, has to be so humble. And it's not about him or her. Uh, it's about we. And one of the most important things, me, uh, by the way, I, I need to mention here is in engagement. It's engagement. As a CEO, it's like I'm so aware of where people are engaged or they're not engaged. It's like, okay, if I'm the leader of the band and I'm listening to the instruments play, I, I, I have a heightened awareness where, where an instrument is out of tune. Attitude means there's someone doing their job that is not engaged. They're not taking advantage of, they're not putting their energy towards their strengths, their skills. They're not, they're not excited. And our companies are too small to not have everybody excited in their role. Now, people may show excitement differently. So I'm not looking for people to be maybe as loud and enthusiastic as I am, but I'm looking for, I'm looking for work intensity. I'm looking for someone who just like loves what they do. And if I can get everybody on the right seat, on the bus, heading in the right direction towards the vision with accountability and coaching, I'm a CEO. You're and doing I'm, the role I justice. strive for that. I'm doing it justice. And I strive for that. And I fall down on it often, but I say, I'm sorry. I'm vulnerable. Yeah. And, you know, we've, Everyone knows this. No one's perfect, and so. But the goal is that you're is that you remain trying to hit those components. And when you, you slip off, you recognize it, you apologize, you own it, you come back on, you continue marching forward. That's right. Um, one thing out of you know, so we talked about the four key elements, you know, in terms of what the role looks like. We talked about skills, behaviors, habits. Talked about the key result areas that you're looking to focus on. Um, the one thing I, I want to hit before we start to wrap this up and then talk about our masterminds is uh, what are the reporting and account accountabilities required for this role? Because you're, you know, as a CEO, you have a team. And so who, how are you um, engaging with your team, understanding what's happening in the day to day, but also being able to drive the thinking forward? Yeah, this is, um, this is good because uh, when you get to a certain point, um, you start to have six or seven meetings on your calendar uh, that, that you're looking at. Um, the weekly finance meeting with your, your head of finance is vital and to have an agenda of, of uh, what you're looking at from the P&L for the month so far, cash flow, accounts payable, accounts receivable, just keeping, making sure that the airplane's nose is still pointing upwards, not downwards, as well as a monthly uh, variances against budget and numbers tell a story. As, as a CEO, I want you to figure out the story. What's happening? What are these numbers showing me? 
and work with your uh, finance person to uh, to work through that. Um, certainly the monthly OTB on the business meetings, they're key. Some companies do it weekly, some every other week, but this is your management team where you're looking at your dashboard plus your 90 day uh, plan, those big rocks that I talked about. Um, the whole planning uh, process uh, should be formalized. Uh, we say that uh, the integrator on your team owns um, making the planning process happen, but you as a CEO, you need to make sure it's there. Annual budget meetings, um, obviously you're involved in uh, HR meetings as well, de depending upon your function, you might be in a marketing meeting and uh, sales meetings. But I think if I could pull way back, one of my early CEOs that I worked for, he had me do a, a flash report. It was a flash report and it, it was the early days of a scorecard. And he loved that flash report because in one, one 30 second look, he could look like he was in a cockpit of, of an airplane and understand the health of, of his company. So maybe, you know, one thing that we should add on here is to make sure that you're receiving, receiving the flashcard or you're receiving the scorecard or you're doing a monthly review of the scorecard. That's kind of one of the tangible things that you can be looking at. You must face the brutal facts, right? You need, you need the numbers. Don't hope. You need to know, you know, get, get some cash flow projections. Make sure your, your CFO, your finance director uh, is giving you um, good cash projections for cash flow. Um, because if, if leads are down, that's going to mean sales are down. If sales are down, that's going to mean revenue is going to be down, which means your AR is going to be down, which means your cash is going to be down. And so these leading indicators become very important for you to have. In fact, if there's, if there's one message here, as, as a CEO, very frequently look at your dashboard because then you know where to put your time. Mm -hmm. so. so let's make it real in the sense of, you know, the owners that we work with, Brian, and think about, you know, many of them um, are on their journey to becoming the ver this version of the CEO that this, if this, if what we've just laid out in terms of kind of the position, vision, and role, and role description is the ideal CEO what, that we're looking for. Uh, that we that we believe to be true in terms of you know hitting um, hitting all the marks. How how do business owners start their journey to get there? Um, and I think this kind of this brings us into a topic that we're focusing on with a lot of our clients um, in the next month or two in our mastermind groups. Uh, but it's understanding the role of the CEO and how are they going to start their journey to get there. You know the the first journey is is. Um how and when am I gonna remove myself from certain, certain functional roles and creating position visions for each of those roles. So let's take sales. A lot of owners um, are also selling, right? And if they're not mm -hmm. selling, they're, they're, they're the sales manager. So uh, coming up with a, a plan of when you're going to replace yourself as sales manager. And then a production manager is the same thing. A finance, typically the, you've already hired a, a, a finance manager first. So I think that's the uh, step and do a, a financial forecast about when you can afford those roles. You know, people think that 
summits all about growth. Grow, 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 grow. Um, let me let me please make sure people understand that that's a myth, because it's your summit, not ours. So your summit is getting to a place where this business is working for you. So grow to a point where where you're happy, where your primary aim is being satisfied, that your business is satisfying you. You're not a slave to it. And so, what does that look like? Um, that's the important thing. So your journey is your journey to your vision, to that place where the business is serving you. And so start, start to, to replace those positions one at a time. So there, are, and then there are some questions I think that we want to hit that people can begin to think about um, as they, you know, they start that journey and start creating those other position visions. You know, the, the first being, you know, what other functions do you hold in an organization? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we just said, are you doing sales? Are you also running the production? Um, what part of the CEO role that we just went over do you excel at? And then where are you, where do you, what, what challenges you? And so when you highlight what challenges, challenges you, well, then there's your roadmap of where you're going to start focusing on. And, and this is going to be the topic in the masterminds coming up. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, where you are now can be very different than where you're going to be in three years. So I think for us, you know, and, and the goal as the mastermind topic is to get people thinking about what are the major steps that they want to be taking to begin to achieve th th this role in its full form. And, and uh, just to maybe end where we, we started, um, understand it's going to feel like writing with your non-dominant hand when you start. Um, because your whole life you've defined yourself by doing work. And it's, this is a new definition of work. So we need to be deliberate and understand that it's gonna feel awkward at first um, when you sit down and start to write your vision and start, you feel like I should be doing something else, um, but have the patience and over time it, it will provide returns. All good stuff, Brian. I think I think we should call it there, unless you have anything else that no, you'd, you'd that's like great. to good add. Luck, good luck in your uh, journey. And and your job is to get a, get a position vision for yourself and, uh, and other functions, and then share that with your team so that they know it. And, and they'll be so happy that someone in the company is looking out more than this month. Awesome. Well, Brian, it's a pleasure to, to have you on here and we look forward to having you again. Well, maybe we'll get you and uh, Kevin back for another uh, Business is messy, messy session in uh, the next few weeks. Thanks, so, Ma. Brian, thank you. You bet. you bet. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.